Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. Well, thanks for joining us today, whether you are in our 9 a.m. live room or whether you're watching later in the week or later in the future or whether you're checking out our podcast. Um, we're just so grateful for people who are on this journey of church planning with us. And it's exciting. We're having so much fun. And the church really is about the people. Seeing this community come together is just amazing to to watch. And we're so grateful for everyone who's on that journey with us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in our first in-person service, we shared from John chapter 15, where Jesus says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He then goes on to call us, his people, uh, the branches of the vine. And so the picture here is that the father is the gardener or the vine dresser, depending on what uh, translation you're reading. Um, and Jesus is the true vine in the center of it all. And we are the branches. And we gave away little vine branches that, uh, these are Ikea plants that we chopped up. But basically, um, uh, as a reminder of what we are and what our role is in this whole God's kingdom picture, right? And in the church, we are the vine branches, right? And he is the true vine. And when Jesus calls himself the true vine, he's declaring that he is the very life source for us, his people. Amen. And in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were often referred to metaphorically as uh, a vineyard. You can see Isaiah chapter 5 for a great example of that. So in saying that he was the true vine, Jesus is placing himself right in the middle of the story of God's people. Um, and that would have really turned some heads. There would have been people saying like, what? Like, what are you saying, Jesus? And Jesus was not shy about declaring who he was, right? And we use these verses in, in John 15 as a bit of a springboard to talk about what our church is going to look like going forward. And it's interesting how Jesus used this allegory, this metaphor of a vineyard and the vine branches to to explain what his people, his followers are like, uh, you know, able to grow, able to be um, agile in their circumstances. Because uh, a vine can pretty much grow on anything. Like our neighbors behind us have a vine that grows over our fence. It grows through our fence. Any little thing that it can attach itself to, it gets on there, it gets through the timber fence, and it grows and it flourishes uh, as a vine, right? And I think that's a really, really interesting picture that expresses what the people of God look like. Being able to be flexible, adaptable to our surroundings. Not stuck or stubborn or set in our ways, but flexible and open to what God would do and where God would lead us. And now there are some things that we are completely inflexible about. Like, for example, doctrine, Jesus, His Word, the Holy Spirit, integrity, honesty, love, grace, truth. So there are some non-negotiable things. We're not here to just be flipping and all over the place. Um, no, but remember, uh, we build our lives on God's Word and His principles, and uh, uh, and we're empowered by Him through the Holy Spirit. And, and we've been, like, for example, we've been speaking about the biblical pattern of gathering, 
um, and which is a real Bible principle we've discovered. But how that looks is largely flexible, right? Um, and our church gathers regularly because we believe that's a Bible principle, a biblical pattern. But how we gather is it varies, you know. We got park lunches, we got in-person services, we've got uh, meetings at, at at a cafe table. We've got all sorts of types of gatherings, and this is the making of what I uh, believe is uh, what we're calling an agile church. And everyone church is going to be an agile church, not just in this church planning season, although it's especially true right now. But I believe going forward, even one day when we do have a building. Let us be a church that isn't just fixed in one place, but is able to move and be flexible with what God wants to do. Like the second we turn programs into principles, or or when we're stubborn with our methodology as a church, is when we start to move into rigid territory. Oh, this is how we do things. And oh, oh, we must have groups of less than 12 because Jesus had 12 disciples. Like really, is that a biblical principle or is that a program method? Okay, so that's a bit of a side Note, but listen to the podcast if you missed it. Agile Church is the title of the message, and uh, it's really important. But there's something here in John 15 that I wanted to come back and focus on because it's so important what Jesus says here. In fact, all this talk about being agile and being a vine branch and being flexible and moving here and there and being is all worthless if we don't catch what Jesus is saying, the foundation of what Jesus is saying here in John 15. So let's read this huge chunk of scripture, and then we're going to go over it. Uh, bit by bit, okay? So read along with me. It says, starting from verse 4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Okay, so there's a lot to digest here. First of all, the context. It is not clear where Jesus is when he's teaching these teachings, but um, it's pretty clear that he's teaching his disciples. And right at the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, oh, let's get up and let's go. Uh, So they could be traveling somewhere. One commentary I read suggested that he and his disciples may have been passing through a vineyard when he was talking, which is, I think is kind of cool. Like, Like there's not really any proof that we have of that. I guess it was just someone's commentary. But I love the idea of Jesus teaching while they're on the journey. What a great picture of discipleship. But the lead up. In John chapter 13, um, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and then he begins to teach what would be his last recorded, like big recorded teachings to his disciples um, before he's betrayed and crucified. And all throughout John, the the, the Gospel of John, um, leading up to John chapter 15, Jesus makes all these massive I am statements. And there's really seven really big ones, which we should do a series on one day because they're next level awesome. 
Um, and they are this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the gate. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally, he says, I am the true vine, which is what we're focusing on today. So here, Jesus is just mic dropping all the way through the gospel of John. I am, I am, I am, like, boom, he's not shy about it, right? So remember, much of what we're talking about, all of what we're talking about today is focused and founded on who Jesus is. If we don't know him, How can we remain in him, right? We need to know who he is according to his word. Not the American version of Jesus or uh, the churchy version of Jesus, but who he is according to his word. Amen. So he says here in verse four of John 15, let's just go through bit by bit. There's some really important things. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Remain in me, Jesus says. Uh, In the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says this, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So this word abide, remain, is translated from the Greek word meno. Let's put it on papyrus. That's how we roll around here. Uh, which we, we need to figure out a way to do this in in-person service. Someone just comes up with a scroll or something. But th- this word is literally translated as to remain as one, not to depart from. So Jesus is encouraging his disciples especially in the light of what's about to come. Like after all these teaching, Jesus is betrayed and crucified before their eyes, right? So, but he's saying to them kind of preemptively, remain in me. And this encouragement is also for us today as his followers to, uh, that's our role as the vine branch is to remain in him, to abide in him and to produce fruit. In fact, Jesus said, it's impossible to produce fruit Uh, without being connected to him. And what is fruit? Well, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Like, do you want to be a Christ-like husband or wife? Do you want to be a Christ-like parent? Do you want to be a Christ-like workmate? Um, Jesus says it's impossible to be Christ-like, to produce fruit without remaining and abiding in him. Amen. So this is very, very important. The Christian lifestyle is meant to be Christ-centric, Christ-connected, Christ-fueled, Christ-nurtured, sustained by the very life that Jesus brings into us, okay? It's an overflow kind of life. Remain in me, Jesus says. Don't depart. So what does that look like in my life? That's what I want to ask today. What does it look like to remain and abide in Jesus? How do we know we are actively remaining connected to the true vine? Uh, Well, first and foremost, we remain in him, we abide in him by faith. Okay, by faith, by believing in him and trusting him. It says in Galatians 2:20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, that sounds like abiding to me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm sure we've all known people. Uh, in the past, who once 
you could say they abided, they, they trusted, they had faith in Jesus, but they've moved away from that. Now, don't let that be said of you one day, okay? And let's not forget that Jesus holds his end of this deal, absolutely. Uh, after he endures the cross, he says to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 20, towards the end of verse 20, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, Jesus says. So by faith, we remain in him. But how is faith and belief outworked in my life? What is the evidence of remaining and abiding in him? Well, Jesus mentions in these verses that we read before in in John 15, three areas that I believe are evidences of remaining in him. So as we go through these, I want you to reflect and be encouraged and ask yourself, am I really abiding in Jesus? Am I being sustained by his life? Or am I just out there, you know, maybe a little bit disconnected from him, just trying to do the Christian thing and trying to look like uh, I remain in him, but I'm not actually, okay? So let's start in verse 7. Jesus says this in, in John 15, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So there's an emphasis here that Jesus is having in verse 7 on remaining in his word, Okay, he says, if my words remain in you and also remaining in prayer. So abiding in his words and praying according to his words. Okay, standing on what he has said. And you can't remain and, and, and abide in him and his words if you don't know them. Right? And remaining in his word and in prayer, according to his word, is dependent upon you knowing his word. So we have to be in his word. We have to know his word. We have to study his word. How is your Bible reading going? Are you in his word? Are you listening to it? It's, it's really, I know it can seem so hard, but it's not that hard. We have all these things accessible to us. Like if we can commit to going to the gym, if we can commit to uh, finishing Netflix series or video games and leveling up and doing all this kind of stuff, then we can commit to being in God's word. Amen. And you can listen to it. I love listening to my Bible. It's just a matter of putting it, you know, it's a discipline. Get it going. It's important for us to know his word. And then once we know his word, of course, we can begin to pray according to his word. Corey Ten Boom said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I love that quote. You know, we we are very quick to pray when we're in need. You know, when we've got a flat tire in life, you know, oh, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to call down the heavens. We need healing. We need this and that. But is prayer really just a spare tire for you or is it your steering wheel? Come on. Uh, Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I, I love that imagery of breathing prayers, you know, just maybe that's a practical way you can remind yourself to pray continually throughout the day is, man, just when you're on a walk, when you're going to get coffee or whatever, just saying, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I'm grateful. Praying, let prayer be a continual anthem in your life, like breathing. Amen. So it, it we are to be abiding and remaining in Jesus. It has to be a commitment to his word, 
and to prayer. Now, verse 9, Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, there's an emphasis here on remaining in his love with obedience. Now, let's not forget that love, his love, is the foundation for all we do for him and all that he has done for us. Love, for God so loved the world. Our obedience is fueled by love and his love is poured out on us through our obedience. Okay, it's like this perpetual uh, flowing of he loved me, we obey him, his love pours out on us and it's just like, Let's go here. You know what I mean? This is awesome, awesome stuff. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. It sounds a lot like remaining and abiding to me. In verse 16, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Have you experienced his perfect love? Man, it says, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, right? And I know many people who fear punishment from God. Like no one in an honest moment wants to go to hell or be separated from God or be punished by God. But fear is not the motivation for remaining in Jesus. We don't just go to church once a year uh, to to avoid the punishment of God. No, no, love is why we remain in him. Jesus says, remain in my love. You know, some people, and you might know people like this, some people just want to live with just enough God to soothe their conscience and not be scared of punishment. They want just enough. Maybe they go to church on Easter and Christmas because if I just tick this box enough, I'll avoid punishment. But that is not what God has called us to experience in Christ. He's called us to experience his perfect love. It says God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Look at what it says in the English Standard Version in verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides, there's that word, abides in love, abides in God and God abides in him. Remaining in him, that, that's that word there, abiding in him. So how do we know we are remaining in his love? Well, Jesus says right after in verse 10 of John 15, he says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. So we are talking here about an obedience started and continued by and in love from God, not fear. Uh, so we are to remain in him in his word, in prayer, and remain in his love with obedience. And lastly, there is an emphasis here on remaining filled 
with his joy. He says in John 15, verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, Jesus says. Yes, your joy will overflow. And isn't that a huge contrast between fear, fear of punishment, and then love and joy. That's the gospel right there. This isn't about fear of punishment. This is about love and joy. Perfect love casts out all fear, it says in 1 John that we just read before. And that that definition of joy, if you study it, is um, to have calm delight or to be filled with cheerfulness. Okay, It's not about being giddy. I'm so full of joy. (laughs) You know, no. But it's about being filled with joy, a a sense of joy in the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you through Christ Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, you have the capacity to experience and be filled and overflowing with joy. Okay? I just, with joy, with joy in the Holy Spirit. Not some weirdness and judgmental attitudes, you know, and, you know, I'm full of the Holy Spirit to point at you and tell you what's wrong with you. No, no. To be filled with joy joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Maybe you're more of a naturally pessimistic and negative person. Uh, Maybe uh, you've been in a season where joy has been hard to come by. And look, we're in a pandemic. Look what's happening on the news. Uh, You know, we've got floods, we've got wars, we've got all sorts of stuff going on. And sometimes we can sit there and go, how can I have joy in the midst of this? Like I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. How can I have joy in the midst of this, right? Well, Jesus says, let his joy overflow out of you. I love that. I know uh, we could all use more joy in our lives. Joy in the face of trials. Joy in the face of fear. Joy in the face of sleepless nights because you have young children. Joy. And I think that joy and peace are, are some of the greatest witnesses to others of what Jesus is doing in our life. One of the greatest evidences that we remain in him is having joy that overflows out of us. And you might say, how do I allow joy to overflow out of my life? Do I just sit here and then all of a sudden it's just like I start smiling and giggling like the Joker or something like that? Well, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, always be joyful, never stop praying, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's definitely a link here with joy and prayer and gratitude and thankfulness. Come on, let let thankfulness, I I believe thankfulness is the key to joy. It really is. Uh, We can all find something to be thankful for. For You know, when that uh, small child is keeping you up at night or that toddler or, or that teenager is, it, how about being thankful for the blessing of being a parent? Just saying, uh, remain in me, Jesus says, don't depart. And let's be encouraged today to remain in Jesus through his word and prayer. 
through his love with obedience and remain filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope that encourages you today. I want to pray for you. Maybe you have are in a place in your life where, where you feel like joy has been hard to come by. Well, let it bubble up out of you today. You might want to sit down and write down some things you are thankful for. You might want to put on some worship music and just allow thankfulness and gratitude and prayer fill your car, fill your house. Come on, if we are to remain in him, that it's not just like we just stand there and Jesus does all the work. No, no, we by faith need to remain in him. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you, right? So there's an action on your part to be had. So let's reach out to him. Let's say, Lord, we are dependent upon you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for every person in every one church and anybody watching uh, later or listening to the podcast. Lord, I thank you that we have the ability because of your grace to remain in you. And we make a commitment today to pursue you. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can pray to you according to your word. We trust you today. And today we ask that there would be a fresh sense of your love in our lives. And I pray for people who have felt void of joy. Lord, not that it's necessarily all about feelings, but feelings are important. I pray that people would feel a sense of joy as they look to you and as they allow their lives to be filled with an anthem of gratitude. We say right now, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness, the goodness of God that is in our lives. I thank you that your goodness is running after us today, and we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we hope you have an amazing week. And maybe you aren't walking with Jesus. We would love to help you with that. Let us know. Head to our website. There's a simple tick box there and say, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. We can get a coffee. We would love to to show you what it means to follow Jesus. And you know what? We, We were singing that song today about the goodness of God. And let's let that be an anthem for you today and this week that we would be filled with joy because of our gratitude and towards his goodness. Amen. So have an awesome week, church, and we will see you soon and counting down to our next in-person service. And hopefully you can join us for lunch today. Bless you.